Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Have they found that tiger yet? Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, tiger time. Pruitt exotic time? Jeremy exotic time? Doesn't quite sound the same time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a Thursday night. Not just me on this podcast from uh, the undisclosed location and the, the parts unknown in the, uh, the the mysterious, mysterious land comes a mysterious man, Patrick Brown. What's up, Pat? How much, Wes? Uh, I got the NFL on the television. I got the Braves on the iPad. And uh, it's 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 a Thursday night in September. It's how it should be. Yeah, it's kind of nice how, you know, nothing's the same anymore right now, but there are, like, pretty much almost every sport is playing right now. Yeah. And that is something that we can celebrate. Um, something else that we can celebrate, apparently, is the, uh, the freedom of animals because uh, <laughs> we're going to get to a lot of COVID-19-related stuff. That's obviously going to be a big topic of this podcast. There is no way around that. But first, some levity, if you heard from that new uh, temporary new intro. Uh, we can even do two, no- two doses of levity. Yeah. Today. Jeremy Pruitt was in a jovial mood for a coach who, uh, who probably feels like his team is not even close to being ready 16 days from playing a game. Yeah, I noticed that. The, the presser was kind of an interesting combination of half – like despondent and half like laughing <laughs> about different things. And, you know, he could be Lou Holtzing it a little bit. We never really know, uh, you know, cause we, we don't, we don't see a whole lot these days, but, but the, the joke here is that uh, there has been reportedly a tiger on the loose in Knox County, Knoxville uh, today. Uh, just basically the, the spot it was located, which is actually about a mile from where I used to live, which is just South of, uh, just the other side of the river, south of downtown and campus, and then to the east, right there. Um, so there has been, allegedly, a, a tiger. Uh, there have been several reportings. Uh, I don't know if this is a great big hoax or not. If it is, the uh, county sheriff's department is uh, right in line with it because one of its officers reportedly saw something that looked like a tiger. So uh, that's been going on all day. There have been helicopters flying overhead. I've seen a couple of them here around the house. Uh, you know, I live near downtown, so I've seen a couple of the, the choppers. Uh, there've been police out throughout the day, wildlife experts looking for, uh, this, uh, big cat that they think might be a tiger. And it's not from the zoo and it's not from Tiger Haven, which is a local tiger rescue just a few miles uh, away from Knoxville. So everyone who should have a tiger has all of their tigers. So if this is a tiger, um, that is a great big mystery. So, all, all I took from from that is that you live near uh, where where wildlife is roaming free, um, and I don't. Oh, we did have a. Come on, I know have, where, I know where you live. You might have like deer out there. We. Uh, it's funny you say that. We we had a minor skunk problem a few weeks ago, where we saw a skunk like three times in four nights in our backyard because mm. we're backed up against some some shrubbery, some some woods. Uh, haven't seen him since though. Uh, and we had somebody come out and try to trap him. He was never trapped. We don't know where he is. Uh, and then today I'm about 85% sure I saw a turkey from a distance today. So, well, you know, as not so, a tiger, but as someone who has had a, a skunk, uh, deliver a bomb right next to their central heat and air unit before at, a, at our previous house, I can tell you that, uh, unless you want to dry clean and, uh, basically bleach clean every single thing that you own and air out your house for like a month, you don't want that. Uh, but that's probably better than a tiger, which is apparently what some people around town have seen. And Jeremy Pruitt, you know, goes on. He his, was taking, yeah, he was taking no precautions today. Yeah, he goes on his daily walk there around lunchtime every day, and 
uh, around noon or so. Um, so he went out, uh, did not go out today, actually. He, uh, he talked to his wife and he stayed home. So welcome to 2020. You know, Wednesday, I believe it was Wednesday or Tuesday this week, there was a, a plane that landed, that landed on the interstate in Knoxville. Um, <laughs> so that happened also. No one hurt, thankfully. That uh, happened. So, yeah, and there's uh, just, just north, I guess, uh, up near the Tri-Cities, up there near Grant Ramey's native lands, there's a wallaby roaming around, apparently, that got out of someone's um, domicile. So, yeah, uh, it's 2020. It's anything that, that can happen uh, will happen. There, There's pretty much nothing that can happen right now that I'd be like, mm, I don't believe that. You know, I, I, what, what can happen right now that would make you say, mm, I don't believe that? Uh, pretty much nothing at this point. Yeah, that's yeah. And then you have uh, Jeremy Pruitt and Kirby Smart trading golf course jabs. Yes. Uh, we're we're going to play the audio later in this podcast of Pruitt's uh, Zoom call from uh, from Thursday evening. But uh, he uh, he was asked about if he when he talked to other coaches if he had determined if any of them have some sort of a competitive advantage because obviously the contact tracing situation with Tennessee has been. Uh, a big story for them having up to 44 guys out uh, due to COVID quarantines, COVID tests, injuries, what have you. Uh, they've been depleted now for the better part of two weeks. But uh, and Pruitt was, was saying that if any of those other SEC coaches that he talks to, and he talks to them frequently, uh, he knows a lot of these guys. Um, uh, he said that if any of them did have a competitive advantage over, say, uh, less strict content, uh, contract tasting tracing rules that they wouldn't tell him anyway then he he pointed out that every time he plays golf with kirby smart that that kirby always seems to find his ball when he hits it in the woods pretty much a a uh you cheat at golf yeah and and maybe you cheated other things yeah (laughs) that that would because the the people who don't know the backstory they were pruitt and and smart they worked together for six years at alabama they i believe it was pruitt who drove uh, Kirby Smart's wife to the hospital once when when she I guess maybe went into labor when he couldn't be there probably on a recruiting trip or something. Um, but now that they're they're rivals, like there is very much like a like a love hate bro relationship there. Like they compete each against each other fiercely for so many of the same prospects, and you know they just they do some things they're very similar in some ways. In some ways they're very different, and. and it's like they they respect each other, but sometimes they really don't like each other, but they always publicly act like they like each other. So that is probably a really complicated way to explain it. But there, if they had a MySpace relationship, it would be it's complicated. And then uh, it only took a little more than two hours for uh, this quote, I guess, to get to Athens because uh, Kirby earlier Thursday night tweeted, for the record, I don't play golf with 25-plus handicapped golfers. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. This is pretty good. And, uh, and that, and one time I asked Pruitt how he was as a, as a golfer, and he said, I'm a, I'm a football coach, Wes. <laughs> so I said, no, no. I said, how are you at golf? He goes, again, Wes, I, I'm a football. I golf like a football coach should golf. So uh, in his words, I don't have time to play to, to be good at golf. But, yeah, so that, that adds up. But it, it's – Anything we can laugh at right now is a good thing, I guess, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it, it's because he, he, here's the deal. Going into uh, the Vols, were supposed to practice Thursday, did not. They practiced Wednesday, got in some scrimmage-type work at the stadium. Um, I think he said about 40 plays, which is about half of maybe what a, you know, 40% or so of what a normal scrimmage might be. So uh, they're doing what they can. And what you're seeing now – uh, I believe uh, in Oklahoma you saw this earlier this week where the coaches, even the ones who have been really openly admitting exactly how many players they have in quarantine or how many players are unavailable for practice, that's starting to dial back about uh, a bit. This whole we're, we're all in this together thing, uh, that's as the season gets closer and closer and it already started for some, you're seeing a lot less of that. Uh, and Pruitt did not give any updated numbers on Thursday. He basically talked around it by joking that there are so many guys on there that he doesn't know. He's lost count of how many are on there. On Saturday, on Saturday, uh, Tennessee made a lot of news by being very public about this and saying that it had seven or eight active tests and it had about nearly 30 more guys who were in flagged because of contact tracing but had not tested positive but were still out for the 14-day quarantine period at some point. 
and and that four guys had been in the contact, or at least four guys had been in the quarantine period twice, uh, despite maybe not testing positive yet. And so that combined with some injuries, you had 44 players who were not able to practice on Saturday. And Tennessee is not giving that number again Thursday. So we don't know what that number is. I can tell you that if it was significantly better, I'm sure that would have been relayed to us. Yeah, and they did get some guys back, I think, for Wednesday night scrimmage. That's why they were able to get some scrimmaging in. Um, They don't have everybody back yet. I think it'll it'll come in waves. It'll come just to – uh, depending on when guys started their quarantines. A the, uh, couple of the biggest takeaways on, on the contact tracing front um, on, from, from Pruitt on Thursday was that uh, he made yeah. it sound like a lot of the issues are coming uh, with, with teammates of uh, uh, roommates, if you yes, will. Yes. Um, so, for example, a guy tests positive from, from you know, wherever. I don't, I, you, know, you have the initial positive test, and then you basically have to quarantine everybody that lives in that same apartment or dorm. And if you look at it, uh, you can kind of do the math. Math is not my strong suit, but uh, that's why we. Said, that's why we. That's why we're sports writers. Sports writers don't the, matter. The numbers that Pruitt gave out uh, on Saturday: seven, eight active cases, twenty-seven to twenty-eight players in quarantine. So yeah. you can kind of see it's but between three and four for every positive case. Uh, and you've seen some of that in some other places that have reported these numbers. I mean, Tennessee's first two opponents had double-digit guys in quarantine. I think South Carolina was at twelve. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they had four cases. I think Missouri was around 16, uh, according to what uh, their coach said earlier this week. So, um, and, and you see that at, at you know university wide too. I, you know, I don't want to read the exact numbers. I did write them in the story. Um, I think it's around 660 active cases university wide at Tennessee, and around 2,000 um, uh, that are in isolation. This is students and staff. So it's about one to three. Yeah, and um, they're closing. They're closing an exact. Um, they're closing a, another dorm to have it serve as just another isolation wing because they they don't have any other choices right now. Yeah, and so that that's and, and the other thing is is that Pruitt sort of uh, laid out that these quarantine guys aren't just like sitting in their room doing nothing. They are still involved. Uh, they're obviously attending meetings uh, via Zoom, which uh, by now is probably second nature to everyone. Um, either it's Zoom or Microsoft Teams, whichever team you're on, I guess. Um, but, uh, you know, because they were doing everything virtually back in the spring when the team was separated. So those guys are still attending meetings. They're still mentally staying ready, and they are working out. They have to do they have to do it separately, but they can still be with the strength staff and mm-hmm. get workouts in. But uh, obviously they're, they're missing two weeks of practice this close to the season. Um, they're missing a lot of chances to make a lot of the, the football movements and, and the things that their bodies need to do to get ready to play a season. Um, and that's obviously an injury risk. And so that's why uh, it was interesting to me that Pruitt said, we're going to stay in camp mode for a while. Um, I guess for as long as they can. I mean, typically if, if things were normal, uh, they'd be maybe a little more than a week away from starting an extended game week, probably. Yeah. They'd probably start by the, by the midway point of the week. Wednesday before. or Thursday yeah. of the week before. Yeah. So, and, and they're not, you know, they're not going to do that. Um, and of course you, you know, you're probably wondering, well, why don't they just practice every day since they are, you know, are, are going to come in under their allotment of 25. They're not going to get there. Why don't they practice every day? And that's, again, that that's also a risk. You know, if you, you practice guys too hard, yes, you're, you're, you're going to risk them getting hurt and, and you don't need that. And, um, and that's not, that would not be good team management. Although as Pruitt said Thursday night, they badly need as much work right now as I can get based on what he saw in their scrimmage on Wednesday night. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to uh, misattribute this quote. I, I I think it was Saban, but I, I don't know that for sure. So I, I won't say that it was him. But it was it, it was an SEC coach. I remember uh, very clearly said that the good thing is that some guys are getting a lot of reps right now and they need them. The bad news is some guys are getting a lot of reps right now because you as you get closer to a season. You know, the more that we learn about science and the more that we learn about how many hits should you really take. You know, in the old days, you just practice every day and then show up and play a game and maybe you dial it back a couple days before the game and have a walkthrough and then you, boom, there you go. Uh, it's it's a completely different world now. And, and so they are managing the workloads of these guys. How many hits are they taking? They can monitor them with those yeah, GPS they, they chips and the shoulder the pads. Yeah. So they can tell, you know, if a guy, if the entire team is starting to, 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 you know, or a significant chunk of the team is starting to back off a little bit and their, their max speeds aren't the same, the force isn't the same, then that's when you worry, okay, they're sore and we probably don't need to push this too hard right now. They're about to get hurt. 
You know, there are things like you can't always tell when obviously like an Achilles or an ACL is going to pop or somebody's going to dislocate a shoulder. You don't know that, but there are some factors you can look at that say this, this makes it more of a risk. And so when you have, and normally what they like to do, they like to kind of four spot practice basically uh, to get the first, second, third, and fourth team, if they have it, somewhat approximately the same number of snaps. They can't do that right now because at some positions, they just can't. So they're having to put together what they can. And I, I bet they're not the only ones. I bet there are others across the league. I bet there are others across the country. I, I, I just, I guarantee you Tennessee's not the only one with a number, you know, somewhere in this ballpark. But the fact is, Tennessee has what it has right now, and the numbers are what they are. The season is approaching, and it, it does not lend itself to good football. And Pruitt did not hide that Thursday night, Pat. He said very, very clearly, very explicitly that there were 40 plays and there were multiple balls on the ground and there were multiple false start penalties and procedural stuff and just really, really sloppy football, which to me sounds like, yep, you're not able to get everybody on the same page. Yeah, and he pointed out missed tackles on defense too. And that's, you know, we all saw – well, I don't know if everybody saw it, but, uh, you know, the Navy game the other day. Mm Mm-hmm. Navy didn't do any live contact during preseason and their tackling was abysmal. BYU beat them like 55 to three or something crazy like that. They looked unprepared. Uh, and obviously it's a service academy. It's different. They got to take different. And they had procedure penalties, which they almost never have. Yeah. And, and, and their coach basically came out and said, yeah, I, I crapped the bed. I made a huge mistake. Uh, he's like, you know, we're probably the cleanest team in the country in terms of, you know, uh, maybe germs and disease, but <laughs> they also suck at football. That was his exact quote. Um, and so you're just, you know, and, and if you're Tennessee, you hope you're not at that level, but it sounds like they may not be too far above it based on just a lot of simple mistakes, a lot of things that, uh, that you would sharpen up if you had three preseason scrimmages. And I would bet that they'll try to, to scrimmage again, maybe middle of next week. Um, that's probably about the last time you could do it. I mean, they may, they may scrimmage next weekend. I mean, they, uh, yeah, how, they, how they, they, they might do instead of like the, 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 the beanie bowl or whatever the week before the game, they might do an actual scrimmage. I mean, I mean, they, it, it's going to be interesting to see how Pruitt and the staff kind of manage the situation. Cause that's, that's really going to determine how, how ready they are for the season. Cause they're, uh, it's just a tough predicament. They got to do the best job that they can. And, um, and, and Pruitt was asked on, on Thursday, cause he was asked a lot of questions, talked a lot about contact tracing. Obviously we've had a lot of discussion about it on, on the checkerboard. Uh, it's been a lot of discussion everywhere. It's been like the story for Tennessee for the past uh, two weeks or so, uh, week to 10 days. Uh, and Pruitt was like, it's not a distraction for us. We got who we got, and we're going to go and work and try to make them the best players we can. And then the, we're trying to keep our guys safe by following the rules. That's basically what he said. Um, it wasn't like a Gene Hackman, my team is on the floor kind of situation, but that's basically how they have to approach it. I mean, uh, he obviously had all the numbers ready on Saturday because I think he was trying to make a point uh, about, uh, hey, we're dealing with this. Others aren't. Why aren't others dealing with this? Uh, there are a lot of other SEC teams that are that are dealing with this as well. We mentioned South Carolina, Missouri. Uh, I think Auburn missed a week or so earlier because I think they had 16 guys out. Yeah. Um, you you know Florida hasn't had to deal with it because Florida's. I think they had their first positive since like July this week. Yeah. That, um, so if you're also, not having positive cases, you don't have to con- you don't have to quarantine anybody. Uh, we don't we haven't heard anything about what numbers are coming out of, of Georgia and Alabama. Uh, I think that's a lot of. I think that's the two programs a lot of Tennessee fans just going, hmm, what's going on there? What are they doing? Yep. Um, and they're just not talking about it. And uh, and that's why Pruitt, you know, I, I think he – I don't know if he's ready to move on from it, but I think he made his point, and now he's he's ready to just, okay, we're getting close to the season. We've got who we got. we got to do the best we can with this situation and and try to make the most of it. And that, that's got to be his approach and, and how they manage it the next uh, week to 10 days leading into game week is going to uh, – I'm not going to say I'm not going to say if they if they go to South Carolina and win, it's going to be like a miracle. Uh, um, but it, it's going to be it's going to take quite a coaching job for for Tennessee to, to go to that game, uh, even close to being ready enough to play. And and coaches are they never they never think they're ready. They you know they could practice for three months and, yep. and they'd be like and play preseason games and have all that stuff and they'll be like no they'd, we're, they'd we're, rather we're have not, 300 guys on the roster if they could. yeah we're yeah we're not ready. You never know you know they they don't ever reach that point, but. Uh, they just have to find a way to get to that game uh, and then find a way to uh, try to play well enough to win it. Yeah, and, and I think Florida did something interesting too. Florida, I think, you know, because we'll look back on this and we will see at the end, 
of this whole season and as the season progresses, we'll start seeing some of these stories maybe about coaches who think they, they took a chance and got something right or coaches who took a chance and got it wrong. And that's just how it's going to be. It's a really unusual year. There's no formula, no template for how to do this. I think Florida went really heavy on early on, right when it got there, thinking that, you know what, let's not ease into this. We don't know how many practices we're going to get. We don't know how, how this thing's going to go. So let's just hit it hard early and then that way if something happens later on you know we won't be working off of four months or whatever being away it'll be like two weeks so that was one strategy I think they've done that I think maybe they've had some success with that you just don't know there are so many factors in here that a coach and his players cannot control they cannot control all of this it's driving them crazy but they can't and what's interesting to me about this whole thing with Pruitt is that he does I mean he is completely allergic to making excuses he does not like them he doesn't want to hear them he doesn't want to make them he's pretty consistent about that but he also right now I think especially over the weekend was trying to say wait a minute I see these numbers on other campuses across the league why are that why is that all over their campuses and we don't know what's going on with their football teams that's not how he said it but I guarantee you that's what he meant and that kind of stuff right there you can't the SEC does not have a blanket policy on this they're leaving that up to local to the to the athletic departments to the universities and to the local health boards basically the rules in your state count county and, and city and Tennessee's rules uh, for whatever reason happen to be pretty strict I have no problem with that I think it's the right thing to do um, but that's that's how it is so they their contact tracing policy is pretty significant. This has been from the chancellor. This has been from the system president. Early on, they told you how big a deal contract tracing was going to be here. And that's what's happening. And so how much of an impact will that have on the season? There's no way to say right now. I guarantee you it's not a good thing. But you know what? I think Pruitt said this pretty smartly the other day. He's a competitive guy, but I think he said it well Thursday night when he said, we're not going to sit here and say the health and, and health and safety of these kids is the priority and then not go out there and practice that. If you're going to talk like that, you have to back it up. And they're backing it up. And what will it do to this season? I don't know. There's a reason why that everyone's eligibility is not counting this season. But, I mean, that, that's why because there are so many things we just don't know. Tennessee can go out there at, at South Carolina and play its tail off and play excellent and win that game comfortably and everything's fine. Or Tennessee could go there and it could go really, really badly. We, we don't know, but it's just it's hard for me to say this is happening at Tennessee versus this is what's happening in other places, Pat, because we just don't know. We just don't know exactly what's happening in other places. We, we know some of what's happening at some, some places, but not everybody. True. Not everybody's True. being transparent. Uh, and, and I think one thing that... I wonder if the SEC could do it over again. So I wonder if they would have, they should have gone ahead and let teams start practice on August 7th. I mean, they gave them six weeks to get in, 25 practices. It seems like a lot, but then you have a situation like this. You have a situation, uh, you know, where Auburn had to miss five days of practice uh, for their, they had to get their situation sort of back under control uh, over the course of a week. Um, and, and, you know, maybe, you know, should they have gone back and, and maybe given teams a little bit more time knowing that, uh, the date that they were starting for a lot of places was right around the time school was getting back. And that's when things were going to get kind of hairy uh, on this front. But, uh, and, and we should point out um, from what I've heard and, and listening to Pruitt on, on Thursday, it sounds like the offense was, was better in the scrimmage than the defense, mm-hmm. which is pretty, I don't want to say crazy, but uh, I mean, the offense I think has been hit a little bit harder. Uh, I think they've got more guys sitting out offensive line, wide receivers, running backs have all been, uh, depleted, um, and, and Pruitt was commending those guys on Thursday. He's saying our our guys have responded. They're you know uh, he, he was very complimentary of that side of the ball, finding a way uh, to manage the situation and and basically rolling with who they got and finding a way to uh, to have some success. Um, can't say the same for the defense. He he did point out uh, Karat Garland and Jaquan Blakely were two of the defensive line. That was a question. Obviously, he's he's put a lot of heat on the defensive linemen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so they saw some improvement there. So maybe there's some hope on that front with that group. Um, maybe it's not, maybe, you know, maybe we should not bury him just yet, but, um, and he, he did say there were some bright spots. So I, I think Tennessee's got a lot of experienced players. They do have some young talent. 
Um, and, but the thing that, that Pruitt was harping on was consistency. And that's something that we saw a little bit with this team last season. Uh, you just never knew what you were going to get from play to play, yep. quarter to quarter, game to game. You never knew which falls mm-hmm. would show up. You know, you, you thought you had a good grasp on, on the team at one point, and then they'd go and do something that would be like, well, okay, I don't – who knows. Um, and so uh, it, it's like that, I think, now for him. But it's like that, I think, because of the situation. Because they have so many guys out. He pointed out on offense, it's hard to generate a lot of consistency when you're not sharp. You haven't had scrimmages. Uh, you know, it's, it's different going into Neyland Stadium at night with the lights than it is going out to Aslam Field just for a regular practice. It's, it's, it's different. I mean – uh, you can say practice is practice, and but it's it's different. You know, there's uh, and and players go about it differently. Some players lock in at a different level when they know it's the lights are on and it's time to, to show out. So uh, if they can come up, if they can find any form of consistency on offense with all the upheaval they've had lineup wise over the next uh, over the past couple of weeks, um, then then it'll be a real credit to, to that side of the ball and those coaches and those players for getting the job done defensively i don't i don't have a good feel about where this team is Neither do i don't I. know if you do Wes. Nope. um nope it depends on uh, who you're talking to and what day so uh, sometimes you hear that some groups are doing okay other times it's like uh, they're they're really bad <laughs> so i mean it's just it's hard to get a read on this team that's i think that's maybe highlighting uh what the season's going to be like and it's just going to be uh, a crapshoot and, and for tennessee they're just they're trying to to manage the situation the best they can and come out the other side uh looking like somewhat of a coherent football team yeah i think we're definitely especially early in the season or at least early in the season i should say i think we're going to see a lot more procedure penalties Uh, i think we're you know uh, you know guys whether it's false starts or not you know not having enough men in the line of scrimmage or i I think like things like time management in in two and four minute situations i think we're going to see a lot of sloppy stuff missed tackles i think we're going to see some of that stuff even you normally see more of that early in the season but i think this season you'll see a lot more of it and it's just going to be how it is it'll be interesting to see over these next two weeks because uh you know miami and uab are playing right now as we're recording this uh, we saw UAB last season. I, I think that team was a lot feistier than the final score of that Tennessee game. Yeah, I agree. Uh, they got they got some really good players uh, down there in Birmingham. Good coach. I don't it's know. A, the, guys are really good. They had a really good coach. I don't know what the scores of that game right now, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's close. But it, it, it's going to be interesting to see uh, some of these ACC games. Um, there, there's a few decent ones on Saturday, and even next week when the Big 12 gets going a little bit, how these games look. And, and Pruitt was asked about that. And uh, they'll have guys on the staff that are – uh, and it may not be assistant coaches, but they help support guys and quality control coaches who will be keeping tabs on this game and seeing if there's trends, see if there's anything they can rip off. You know, it's a copycat sport. Um, but they'll, you know, they'll see if if, if procedure penalties are a lot, uh, you know, are, are making a big impact, if special teams are, you know, going a certain way. And that's, you know, that's the thing about college football is you don't get any preseason games. And in Tennessee's case, uh, it looks like they're going to get, at best, maybe one scrimmage plus a sort of a scrimmage or, or Pruitt called it somewhat of a scrimmage. Yeah. That was his term for it. Um, so just like it, this it, is, this is somewhat of a podcast. So I, yeah. I you know, I, I, I accurate. Yes. So um, that's, that's just sort of where, uh, where they're at. I mean, it's crazy to think that they might have like a scrimmage and a half before they play a real game, but uh, that's the situation Tennessee is. And, and like Pruitt said, Thursday night, it is what it is. They're going to try to make the most of it. Yeah, you were talking about that, uh, Pat. You know, right now it, Miami's got a 14-7 to 7 lead on UAB late in the second quarter. I think UAB's got the ball around its own 40-yard line with about three and a half minutes left in the second quarter. So, yeah, UAB is putting up a pretty good fight in that game. So, uh, And now I've, I, say, I say that without looking at any any sort of um, major stats or watching the game. I know their, their quarterback completed 10 of his first 13 passes for a touchdown. So, yeah, I mean, some pretty decent – decent players there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think Pat, you know, before we get out of here, cause what we're going to do is we're going to have a, this will be the first segment of us talking the second segment. I'll just kick it over to the Pruitt audio from today. Uh, and you can hear all of that, but uh, before we go, I guess nothing new on Cade Mays. Uh, basically Jeremy Pruitt still came out and said, uh, the NCAA is being pretty stupid about this, and that's pretty much that. Nothing. Uh, I know the that the uh, the appeal uh, form the formal appeal, I suppose, has been sent, and now they're just waiting. Yeah, and, and the Pruitt's point on Thursday was that he, he acknowledged that there's a lot of policies, and obviously, I think what's complicating this most is that it's a uh, it's a transfer in the conference. Um, I, I think that's what's making this situation less. I don't want to say cut and dry, but. Uh, especially this season, um, 
with it being an SEC only season, I, I think that uh, with Mays going within the division between rivals, even that uh, that's, what's complicating uh, this scenario. Uh, but as Prue pointed out, I mean, this is an unusual year and, you know, I, it, it, it doesn't make much sense. And he said, it would be foolish if it, it, given all these circumstances, uh, you know, with the pandemic, with what, what happened with Mays at Georgia, that it would be foolish not to let him play, especially, I mean, just, just, I'm going to say this and try not to butcher it, but in a year where eligibility literally doesn't matter, doesn't count. Nobody's losing a year for this. Cave yeah. Mays can't get eligibility. I mean, how does that, that's just so stupid and such a farce on his face when you put it that way, um, that uh, you just hope that the NCA will uh, wise up and, and let it happen. Now there was, I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast before, but, but Virginia tech had a running back from Rutgers who had his initial waiver denied. Um, and then he won the appeal and he's eligible. So, uh, that's obviously not a conference to conference move, uh, although I guess they both used to be in the Big East, right? Yeah, used to back in the day. Back, back in the day. Back when men uh, were men. <laughs> uh, back in the Michael Vick era. Yeah, Hokies. But um, uh, but yeah, it's uh, there's nothing new. Well, other than that, the uh, Mays' attorney did say that it has been filed. I don't know if it was filed Wednesday or if it was filed earlier, but um, the waiting game goes on and. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, that's and where I, that's at. No, that that's where it is, and and I think that that there's, uh, especially in a year where where you know the eligibility is not counting really, and, and a year where it's going to be tough for some teams to be have enough healthy bodies at each position to play certainly every week. So it's another guy who could play. Um, but you know, I mean, I've said this before. I'll say it again. I do not blame Georgia for any of this. Uh, I I blame the NCAA for having a stupid rule. I, I think Georgia is doing maybe what Tennessee would do in this exact same situation. I know Pruitt's never put up a fight with transfers, but he's also never had one transfer to a rival school. So that, that certainly changes things a little bit. I don't know exactly what Tennessee would do in this situation, but if Georgia's putting up a fight, I don't blame Georgia. I blame the NCAA for having a rule and allowing it. Because I don't. if you have a rule being what it is, these coaches are going to do everything they can to have their teams win games that they're going to put their program first and their team first. And they're trying to win. That's what they're paid to do. I'm not blaming Georgia for that. I'm sorry. I'm just not, but I think it's a stupid rule. And I think the NCAA should allow him to play. That's sort of where I am on that, but Pat, is anything for a lot of people are, yeah. Is there anything else before we step away here uh, for a break? Anything that you, uh, before we, before we uh, summarily boot you from this podcast? No, let's get to the Prude audio. I think we'll do that. Guys, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to pay some bills, listen to some products, services, in-house ads, if I can say that right, and those other fun things. And we will be right back to hear from Jeremy Pruitt here on the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own look to your left look to your right it's official no one's got a ride like this there's nothing else that sounds like feels like or looks like the set of wheels in your garage with over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the GoVols 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products and services and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a Thursday night. 
uh, as you heard in the first segment, uh, Patrick Brown, co-worker Patrick Brown and myself had a lot of interesting things to discuss from that Jeremy Pruitt press conference uh, from Thursday evening. Call them press conference. I guess that's still what they are. They're kind of Zoom calls now. It's a little bit different. Uh, but we're going to get to the audio of that, the full audio of that here in just a second. But before we do that, I'm going to remind you again, please, please go in there. We really appreciate you listening. We really do. Uh, and we happy, we're happy to do this for free. We really are. But what we'd really, really appreciate in return, if you could do one thing for us, please go in there, hit that subscribe button. Please rate and review this podcast wherever you're listening to us. If it's Apple Podcasts, if it's Spotify, if it's uh, you know somewhere in the Google universe, uh, Stitcher, iHeart, TuneIn, wherever you're listening to this podcast, please go in there and click that subscribe button. Uh, and especially if you're listening to it on Apple Podcasts, please go in there and leave a, a review. Uh, that will help people uh, find this podcast. That will help us add more wolves to our wolf pack, and that will help all of us uh, keep keep growing this thing. I, I see how many people are listening to it every week. It's amazing how far we've taken this thing. It's we've done. I'm really, really happy with where we've gotten some things to this point, but uh, never satisfied. Uh, there's a lot more we can do. I know that we can keep growing this thing, and if you can help us do that, we would appreciate that. If we get some merch at some point, we'll probably do some maybe giveaways based on that stuff, and we'll also uh, do some some of our podcast sort of, uh, I guess you call them mailbag episodes, and we'll take some questions from there. And if you have uh, anything you want us to talk about, any suggestions, any discussions, um, even if it's uh, just a screw with me, which I know some of y'all enjoy doing, uh, go in there and do that. Go in there and rate, interview, and be honest with us. Uh, we, we would really appreciate that. Uh, but now that I've gotten that out of the way, here is the promised audio from a Thursday night from Tennessee football coach Jeremy Pruitt. So here is Jeremy Pruitt. You know, we went uh, back to Neyland last night and had somewhat of a scrimmage. Uh, got to get in probably somewhere around 40 to 44 plays um, in situational football, uh, but it was good to do. Uh, obviously, you know, it was, it was pretty sloppy, uh, to be honest. Uh, lots of um, lots of penalties, uh, especially on the offensive side, false starts, you know, which just goes back to team takeoff, um, not having some guys in there being consistent, um, <clears throat> with cadence or, um, you know, and, and, you know, offensively, we, we put the ball on the ground a few times, uh, defensively, um, again, the things that you think would show up uh, when you've not had a chance to to go live in a very long time is uh, missed tackles. Um, you know, so we have a whole lot of things that we really need to improve on uh, over the next uh, two weeks, uh, and, and we've got to work hard to do that. I, obviously, I would suspect that our, um, you know, our plan uh, will obviously change a little bit as we move closer to the game. Uh, I don't feel like we have the luxury of, of, you know, just strictly doing like an in-season practice uh, probably for the first couple of weeks. Uh, we, we, we really need to kind of stay in camp form uh, and focus on fundamentals. We have some experience at some positions, but yet at others we have lots of inexperience. And uh, we've got to create some consistency, some chemistry uh, in all three phases. Um, you know, but there, there definitely, uh, has been some bright spots, uh, with some guys that, um, we didn't know a whole lot about, uh, and those guys have got to continue to gain knowledge of the position that they play, uh, which will give them a chance to contribute this year. Uh, and, and we, you know, as we get some of these guys back. Uh, we really need to focus on special teams. Um, it's probably been the biggest battle for us over the last 10 to 14 days is, is being kind of creating the same unit out there on special teams and uh, kind of taking the next steps. Uh, with that, I'll take any questions. All right, questions. We'll start with Vince Ferrar. Coach, two things. One, would you like to see SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey step in and try to help you guys out with the Cade Mays appeal? Uh, if so, have you guys uh, looked into that or approached that? And then the second thing is, have you been able to get at least some of the guys that were out last weekend start to trickle back and be available for you? Well, I, I have specifically 
not not spoken to Greg about it. I obviously have spoken to William King, uh, who represents the football side. And, you know, I, I know how this goes. There's there's all kind of policies, right, and rules that have been voted on over the years. Um, and I understand that the time that some of these rules were voted on, why they were, um, you know, but here's my, here's the but though. All right. But, okay. Um, with what's going on, uh, in our country right now, uh, over the last six months with a pandemic, um, there's probably not one family in America, uh, that has not suffered in the last six months. Uh, it's unusual times. Um, you know, there's a, to me, there's a big part of all this that I've been very concerned about with, with all of our players and all of our young people is mental health. Um, you know, I can't imagine being a, uh, a child, uh, or, you know, from, you know, five or six to age 25 or 30 that they feel like their youth is being taken away, the things that they're used to doing. Um, so with that, um, you know, we've got everybody and everybody that's playing NCAA football this year, um, their eligibility doesn't count. So everybody on our team can come back and play another year. A senior can be a senior again. A freshman can be a freshman again. Um, so, and this is not just about Cade. I would say everybody that tried to transfer, uh, to me, it would be foolish for anybody that's capable of, of enabling this, it'd be foolish of us not to do that just for, uh, for what's right. And then the second question, have you gotten any of the guys back available that weren't available to you last weekend? Well, we've had so many guys out. I can't keep up with who's available and who's not available. Uh, and it changes by the day. So uh, to be specific on names, my days have really ran together when it comes to that. So I probably wouldn't be much good. We'll go to Trey Wallace, followed by David Oven. Uh, Jeremy, anything you got to take away from the quarterbacks last night and the wide receivers, how they're working together? And uh, are we getting any kind of closer? I know you can't do live game action, but do you feel like the guys behind Jerry Garantano are taking the steps they need uh, to be that number two guy this year? Well, we've, we've really had a lot of offensive players out, so it's been very tough to create some chemistry on that side of the ball. Um, you know, whether it's in the O-line or running backs or wide receivers. So, uh, but I feel like these guys have continued to improve uh, every day. Um, it's been exciting to me to, to watch them do that because they've had some adversity during this camp and, uh, I'm sure they'll continue to be adversity throughout the season, but it's it's been good to see those guys on the offensive side respond. Uh, we're nowhere where we need to be consistent-wise. Uh, you know, some of our older guys have, you know, have two or three good plays and they have a bad one, and two or three good plays and a bad one. And it's hard to sustain offensively, to, to sustain drives, and that's something that we're going to have to be able to do. Uh, so got a lot of work there. Um, and, but, and, 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 you know, we, we've got to really, uh, kind of hone in here in the last, in the next 10 days. And we need to make strides as a football team, uh, in all three phases in the next 10 days. Um, you know, cause we're, there's going to be a lot of work that's got to get done. David. Jerry, have you guys had to have any coaches? Just quarantined and, and and you'd have to who would be the interim head coach of this team well uh tz assistant head coach so um you know i, I would <clears throat> it, it would probably jim cheney you know i think he's the winningest coach in the history of tennessee football at one and oh so i i know he would not want that he's 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 gonna take that mark with him for the rest of his life so uh, you know, he would absolutely be out. So, obviously, it would be T. 
We'll go to Mike Wilson, followed by Wes Rucker. Yeah, Jeremy, with so many players in and out, do you explore making guys like Alante or, or Jeremy Banks or Jordan Allen into two-way guys just to, to kind of pad depth? Or would that further kind of exacerbate the, the chemistry issues you're talking about? No, we've not worked anybody both ways. Uh, you know, there's probably times in special situations that we could use other guys. Um, but we, we've really not done that. We've, we've really been trying to stick to the basic fundamentals, uh, keeping our schemes very simple. So, um, number one, we can hang on to the football. Uh, two, maybe cause some turnovers. Uh, and get guys to play fast. Hey, uh, Jeremy, when you're talking about kind of the contact tracing and everything, have y'all been able to have discussions with the league about making that more of a uniform policy for everyone, or is that just not possible to do? Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm no expert when it comes to that, uh, but – I do believe the contact tracing is obviously different from state to state. All right, we'll go to, let's go to Rob Lewis and then back to Vince. Coach, you were pretty critical of the defensive line last week. Did you see the improvement uh, in, in the scrimmage last night? You know, there was a, there was a couple of guys that uh, <clears throat> showed improvement to me. Um, Prime Garland, uh, I, I, I thought, had his best practice. Uh, Jaquan Blakely um, continues to, to work hard. He'd been out a few days, but he was back. So uh, we're taking baby steps up there, and we've got we've to continue to do that. So, um, you know, we, we, the, the, the next several practices are, are really big practices for those guys. Uh, uh, we, we, we need to get out of the baby steps and probably start taking some leaps, you know. Coach, a, a follow-up on the contact tracing. Have you and the staff been able to maybe pinpoint where some of that is, is traced back to? Is it from contact within the facility? Is it uh, from, you know, contact with people outside of it? Because if it's football activities – that you have the contact tracing, that could be something that maybe could resurface quite a bit during the regular season. Any thoughts on that? No, our, our contact tracing mainly has been uh, roommates. So, uh, you know, it's, I, I think in some states it's six feet without a mask for 15 minutes, but here in Knoxville, it's that we've got, well, we've got the biggest hurdle has been actual roommates whether they live there or not all the time. We'll go to Brent Hubs and then Gustavo. Coach, when players are, are out in the quarantine, what can they do? Can you, can you work them out in any way, shape, or fashion? And how concerned are you about injuries with those guys when, when they're not on the practice field for, for two weeks because they've been in quarantine situations? Well, you're talking about the non-COVID just the folks that have been in quarantine for social tracing. Yes, yes sir. Um, well, that you're allowed to let them work out with your um, strength staff, but they've got to be in a totally separate group. Uh, they can't be in the building at the same time, you know, as, as anybody else. So, but there probably is something to that. Um, you know, it's, it's, you you know, football is a unique game with unique movements. You know, there's lots of muscle memory there. So um, not being able to really practice football, you know, there, there's some possibility with that for sure. As, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Brent, if you got a follow-up. I, I was just going to say as a follow-up, how do you keep – you know, all the many of the questions on here have been about contact tracing. How do you keep that from being the overriding theme with your players, and and that become the story with your players as you get ready to play? How, how do you not let that become such a distraction? 
Well, it's no distraction to us. We take whoever's there each day, and we work hard to make them be the best players they can possibly be. Uh, our number one thing here is to protect our players. It's the number one thing. Um, and I'm not sure that that maybe we've had a few more numbers as far as tracing. Uh, we've tested a lot, and we might have tested more than anybody else out there. Uh, I, I have no idea, but we, we've done a lot of testing to, to make sure that we're trying to create the proper environment because the safety's been the number one priority for us. Uh, you know, I, I realize that we're getting ready to start a football season, um, but and, and we're working hard to put the best product we can out there on the field. And uh, we've tried to follow the rules uh, exactly as, as they've been presented to us, and uh, we'll continue to do that. Gustavo? I mean, following up on uh, the Brent's question, in terms of keep you guys focused, you know, with so many distractions off the field, but keep distraction, uh, keep focus on the field, you know, keep the mentality, keep the strength going. How do you, you and your athletic staff keep the players focused on the field, you know, to keep the distractions outside? Well, I don't know how much distractions they there actually been. I mean, we practice every other day um, it, it's from a standpoint of, demand uh, uh, for a fall camp. This has been more like spring ball. So I don't think there's been distractions. I mean, we've, we've been Zooming, Zoom meetings for a very long time. Uh, so the kids that aren't here, they're in the Zoom meetings. So it's not like that they're totally away from a mental standpoint. Uh, you know, it's probably the uh, from a team building part of it, you know, just having a group of guys together um, for a long period of time to help create uh, chemistry has been tough to do. We'll go to Patrick Brown and then back to Trey Wallace. Jeremy, you mentioned, uh, I think you said you the other day, you guys weren't going to be able to get all 25 practices in. Uh, you guys went back to back today. Do you try to squeeze in as many practice days as you can, or do you kind of continue to go, practice and take a day off as you kind of stay in camp mode and and do you have a timetable at all on, on maybe when you'll have most of your team back practicing again um we definitely probably will not reach 25 practices i think it's important that we're efficient um you know with our practice time uh you know from a number standpoint i'm not sure that that we're ready to go fall camp back to back to back days uh that that probably would do more harm than good uh so we want to make sure we're efficient so we can keep guys healthy and and uh continue to improve as a football team great jeremy have you talked to other sec head coaches maybe the ones that you get along with about their procedures and what they're having to deal with when it comes to contact tracing at their schools. And have you, have you gotten any feedback from maybe the two to three to four guys that you might speak with? Who asked that question? That would be Trey Wallace. Yes, now, sir. Now, Trey, I, I, I talked to these guys quite a bit. Okay. But I can assure you, okay, okay. if they're, if there was some kind of competitive advantage that somebody else would get, they sure wouldn't be sharing it. I well, I, I understand that, but Will Muschamp came out and talked about his 12 guys that, that, that were contact traced. So, hey, look, I'm sure there's one guy you at least get along with in this conference. Hey, let me tell you, every time I played golf with Kirby Smart, he's the only person I ever seen uh, that he always finds his ball in the woods, always. Okay, so okay, so there's no competitive. Okay, I got you. I feel you. I appreciate the honest answer. All right, we'll go uh, a couple more questions here. We'll go back to David Ubbin and then uh, to Gustavo. Uh, Jeremy, uh, big picture as name, image, and likeness uh, come to college football. What's been your message to guys about monetizing that when when they have that ability when that rule comes into play? Well, there's, there's lots of things that go into that rule um, that nobody knows about yet. Uh, there's some things that's got to get voted on. It's got, there's got to be some clarity. Um, 
from a state level, federal level, and uh, really through the NCAA exactly what you can do. So uh, we're working hard uh, as a university uh, to be ready for that when uh, all this stuff is finalized. But when it comes to recruiting, um, that's not really been a sales pitch for us. Last question, Gustavo. Coach, uh, the ACC starts tonight. You know, other conferences are already start of the weekend. What have you been watching from those games that you might want to observe, you want to learn from other schools that you can implement at Tennessee? You know, they're having to face the same problems and the same issues that you're dealing with. So what kind of things are you kind of watching on those games that you don't want to repeat the mistakes of other schools playing already? Can you ask that again, Gustavo? Of course. No. What I'm when I say, of course, already games been playing college football. What kind of mistakes you don't want to repeat if you are watching those games? You know, if their teams are following the same protocols, the same issues that you're dealing with. Well, one thing that we've tried to do as a staff um, is make sure that we've had guys that that have watched those games. I've not watched any, um, and so to to see if there's things that come up. You know, so obviously this is a um, it's a new experience for everybody involved. So, um, you know, we'll get a chance this weekend to watch again, right? So we're we're uh, we'll definitely be doing that, or we'll have somebody on our staff be doing that. Can uh, I ask a question? Have they found that tiger yet? I don't think so. I'm serious. I, 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 yeah. I, I found my wife called me today and I missed my noon walk because I was concerned about that tiger. I think it's hanging out with Jimmy Himes. <laughs> you guys have a good day. That was Tennessee football coach Jeremy Pruitt. And guys, I think that's going to about wrap us up for this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Thanks, as always, for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Uh, if you just want Tennessee news, nothing else, you can also get that always at twitter.com slash govols 24-7. Uh, just Tennessee news on there. No personal stuff. Just all vols all the time. Uh, or if you want to go to Facebook, you can get some good information there at facebook.com slash govols 24-7. We've always got tons of stuff on there throughout the day not just tennessee on there also some some uh some other sec news college football news college basketball news and and preds grizzlies titans some of that stuff but mostly mostly just falls on there uh, throughout the day lots of interesting stuff there or if you want that delicious east tennessee mountain spring water just right from the tap right from the source go get that at govals 247com always got a lot of good deals right now we've got a couple months for one buck if you can hurry up in the next couple hours and sign up uh, but uh, if not then there'll still be another good deal coming after that and we always have always have a good deal going on so always check us out and if you do pay us full price which is still less than one mediocre lunch per month. Still less than one mediocre lunch per month. You still get access to CBS All Access free in perpetuity. CBS All Access is CBS's streaming platform. All kinds of great, great stuff on there. Everything in the CBS catalog, every show ever made, commercial free, new movies in and out every month, all kinds of live sports. You got NFL football. You got, obviously, college football, SEC football. You got uh, college basketball, the NCAA tournament. Uh, lots of stuff to discuss there with the Vols, with the way things are going in that program. So all kinds of stuff there. Also, also got some World Series of Poker stuff, UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League, uh, some, some World Series of poker stuff, all, all kinds of really, really neat stuff on there on that platform. And not just CBS, also, guys, you get uh, the other Viacom properties. You, some of them you get uh, Comedy Central, you get Smithsonian, you get BET, uh, MTV, and you get Nickelodeon for the kids. So all kinds of stuff there. And you get that for free. That's a $100 annual value for free. For free. If you subscribe to GoBoss 24-7 and you pay us our full price, which is still pretty cheap. Uh, if nothing else, we should have another episode over the weekend with some fresh player audio and uh, all kinds of other good stuff coming up in the future. But I think you'll hear from us no later than a couple of days from now would be my guess. So until then, be safe and uh, watch out for that tiger. See you.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.